Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, G, U corner, half back, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! I can't read the last text of the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text slide, but it's very... Very funny. Morning, Brock. How are you now? Morning, Polly. Yes. Pictures. Do you remember Guts Bedard? Oh, Guts Bedard? Yeah, Paul. You think of uh, even worse body language than Jay Cutler. Ooh. Truly did not care. Did did not care. Really didn't care. Really didn't really didn't care. Super talented pitcher. You could tell just. Baseball is a is a means to an end. It's made me a lot of money because he's incredibly gifted and talented, and, and his off speed stuff was just pure filth. Unbelievable but, curve. But yeah, but honestly, he was worse body language, worse demeanor, worse care than than Jay Cutler. His ever color was. was tough too. Yeah, his Cutler first was tough. interview after being acquired, and when the Mariners traded for him, like everybody knew how much they were giving up in Adam Jones. He said, "Okay, you guys have got five questions." Jim Moore said, why is that? His response was, that's one. Yeah. He also left a game. This was after he left the Mariners. Left a game in the fifth inning, despite having not allowed a hit. He had a no-hitter going, and he was like, that's my five. Clock it out. Wow. Cha-ching. Gone. Just not your typical Canadian nice. Most Canadians. I know. He wasn't. They're supposed to be nice. Yeah, most I think most Canadians that have played professionally here in Seattle are really nice. Probably have some Kraken players, right? And hockey's a little different breed. But, man, the, the guys that I, I could think of through that, the years and Luke Wilson at the top of it, pretty nice. Not Eric Bedard. Not nice. You have a chance to make history, and you don't go for it. That's, that yeah, he is unforgivable. His, he worked his shift, man. He threw his that five innings. Is, that is unforgivable. He worked his shift. Unbelievable. It's time for him to go home. I'm, at, I'm actually mad now, but I appreciate the Seattle sports history lesson, guys. So question number one for you, Brock. Nick Saban just got extended through 2028. He's going to be coaching until he's 77 years old. By the way, he's just a month younger than Pete Carroll. Definitely does not look it. That no. hair, that that head of hair is looking better and better by the year. But could you see Pete Carroll coaching until he's 72, Brock? 72 or 77? My bad. Ooh. My bad. I can't do math. 77, man. I, Record seventy three. Is that Marv, Marv Levy? Levy's the old, uh, the oldest? It's either seventy three or seventy four. Seventy three or seventy four. I I think that that is doable and realistic. But I'll tell you, man, you talk to anybody, any former player, anybody in that building, anybody that's around there. There is one thing that's not changed with Pete in twelve years, and that is his energy and juice. And you saw it again in the rookie or yeah, the rookie minicamp and some of the OTA footage. He's diving on the field and trying to rip the ball away and going for the ball, and he. Yeah, I'm sure that he looks at that and thinks Nick Saban can do it till he's 77. By God, I can do it. And I don't have to recruit 18 to 22-year-olds. And I don't have to do this 365 days a year. And I can get on my paddleboard on Lake Washington and, on, in, and over in the islands of Hawaii for you know some, some weeks and some days and, and enjoy my life and enjoy my time. And he is in the exact right spot. I think Nick Saban... Took a few destinations, right, from uh, from Cleveland and the NFL well before then as well. But ultimately up to up to Michigan State, then down to Baton Rouge. He finally lands in Tuscaloosa, and it is the right fit for him and his family and his kids and grandkids and everybody else. He found the right fit. I think the exact same is said for Pete. 
as good as as USC was and LA was to Pete. I, I think this locale and in Western Washington and Seattle just fits Pete and in his beliefs and his DNA as well as anywhere on the planet. College is different though, right? Because once you build it, it's easier to maintain. Once you once you get the factory set up, and that's not to say that Saban's coasting. But it's easier to take that into your golden years than it is an NFL job, right? You're selecting. He's no longer recruiting. Right. Right. There's 130 Division One jobs. 120 have to recruit. 10 to 12 get to select. And he is on the selecting, and he's at the very top of that selecting. And, and yes, he's not out on the road doing what he was doing earlier on when they were trying to box out Pete Carroll from Julio Jones. Uh, he's not having to do that stuff. He's waiting to just kind of close the deal at the end. He's got the biggest, deepest arsenal of analysts and coaches in America. So, yes, Danny, he has totally built it. He's equipped it better than, than anybody ever has in college football. There's, there's no question about it, but it still is, as far as the calendar goes, still is 365, so much more than the NFL ranks. Question two. Little sleuthing, Brock. Little sleuthing that I did. I've I've sussed out the the sticking point with Julio Jones was the size of the salary, more so yes. than draft pick compensation. That 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 was the issue for teams that were were poking around, and the feeling was there was a little bit of surprise that Tennessee ended up footing the whole bill, and that hey, that's probably ultimately a win for Atlanta that they got them to take on that the whole freight of of, yep. of that fifteen point three million dollars. What can we learn from that when it comes to Seattle's current contracts? Because two years ago, Julio Jones would have been the, the kind of guy that everybody said, yeah, you just cut the check. Like, don't worry about the size of it. Like, that guy's great. You pay him at the top of the receipt. Yeah, well, that, 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 contract, that contract was a wait by the end of it. What can we learn from that when it comes think, to Seattle? Yeah, I think a couple things, Danny. You got your Julio Jones, and his name DK. is DK Metcalf. Yeah. And you're going to be paying him well excess of $15 million a year. So you've got that coming, and I know you have expanded cap space, and I know you've got a ton of it, and you don't ever need to really worry or fret or strain about what's to come because that cap is fairly movable. But that, that I think, is is a huge reality. You have some some paydays to come. You still don't have Jamal, Jamal Adams. Adams being done. right? And, and I, one of the things I think Salk and I are going to discuss on the podcast today is when do we hear from Jamal? Is he there this week? We know that 70-some players are there. Is he there? I know he's had multiple surgeries, so has he been there the entire time recouping and, and doing the rehab there, or is it offside? Is he going to be in for the mandatory minicamp next week? Because if he's in for the mandatory minicamp, are they going to even make him available? Or does he want to be made available? I mean, it, it starts to... It starts to kind of, temperature starts to rise just a little bit. All of this has been off the radar, rightfully so. Business is business. Uh, taxes is taxes, and you take care of that stuff. But it's going to come to a head here when either he's going to come to mandatory minicamp or he and his team are going to feel like, hey, man, you know, we're, we're not where we want to be, and this thing's got to get done. So, yeah, for Tennessee to foot $15 million of it, that was probably the end-all be-all, right? When push came to shove, here's the deals on the table, here's the draft compensation. I don't think anybody was given a one, so here's a two, here's a four. Let's move this around, and how much are you going to take? We'll take all of it. Good. He's yours. And now we'll see if he can pass physical and become a Titan. How much better is Tennessee legitimately with him aboard? I mean, that offense looks pretty intimidating with A.J. Brown and with Derrick Henry. You have some of the freakiest athletes in the NFL at three of your most important skill positions. We'll see if Ryan Tannehill can make it still happen without Arthur Smith. Their defense stunk last year. Yep. 
Yeah, the, their offense wasn't the reason they, they collapsed and, and didn't finish and didn't go on the run that they did the year before. And yeah, if, you, if you've if you got a Ryan Tannehill, you've got to give him a little bit more help than you do a Russell Wilson, right? I mean, you've, you've got to make sure you've got guys that can separate. He's got a strong arm. I think he, Ryan throws a pretty good deep ball, and I think that's a, a facet of what they love to do, that heavy, heavy run game, and here comes a heavy play-action pass off of it. And, uh, man, we st- I think we saw that win a Super Bowl in Seattle way back when, and that's exactly the, the kind of the, the roots and the DNA that they're going to follow, and we're going to get to see in Week 2 in Seattle. Question three. Brock, baseball has a sticky stuff epidemic, at least per Sports Illustrated. It's thought that 80 to 90% of pitchers are using some sort of solution to boost their spin rates. Interesting. Some of the descriptions. Pelican dip grip was one of the ones I read. Mixture of pine tar and rosin. Pelican dip grip. This is just gross reading some of this stuff. Uh... One baseball had clear enough fingerprints indented in the goo that opponents could mimic the pitcher's grip. It's got me wondering, Brock, you know, in in, in football, I'm sure that there were some sort of potions or other things that you and your teammates might have used, whether it's on football or it's to stay warm. What was your favorite potion? Well, I think that the strongest correlation there, Polly, and where there's probably the most symmetry is the length that quarterbacks go to to get the texture of that football the way they want it. Much like a pitcher, and those guys are using that for, for grip purposes. It's not it's not Gaylord Perry that's throwing a spitball. It is those guys truly trying to utilize it to get as much grip and spin on a football and to watch the lengths that some QBs will go to. And, and back in Indy, Peyton had, and those guys in the equipment room had quite, it was like a six-hour ordeal when that when those footballs would come from Wilson come from the factory all waxed up and and it was sauna it was scrubbed it was sauna it was mississippi mud it was you know a lot of things to get to a, to a place where that football then becomes exactly the way that Peyton wanted it exactly the way Marino wanted it exactly the way Tom Brady wanted it exactly the way those guys want that grip on the ball and that's probably from my experience yeah you know there was I didn't really ever see stick them. I mean, the gloves were so sticky, Paul, the ones that you used to dominate 7-on-7 up there on Capitol Hill, (laughs) right? Uh, Similar gloves. Uh, The big guys up front, you know, would would have their jerseys taped, so the shoulder pads would have tape on them. And those, those John Randall in particular wanted nothing, nothing, no skin, no jersey, nothing for those guys to grab. And and maybe at times there was, you know – a little lubricant put on the outside as well, so you couldn't get your hands on some of those defensive linemen. So I think it's a little more the defensive linemen, the quarterbacks in the NFL game more than anybody else that they really try to, to make the most of their equipment. What was the worst kind of ball for you? Did you want a, a, a roughed up? Because I've watched the ball boys as they prepare it. And they've got like yeah. buffers, there's sandpaper in there, and there's kind of like to get the waxy sheen off of it. What was the thing you liked most to have in a ball? Well, we started the segment with pitchers are a weird breed and lefties yeah. even more so. So when I was in high school, I liked it right out of the, I liked that wax. Oh, no kidding. So, yeah, yeah. It was Nobody really likes so. that. No, but I'm weird. And I, I did in high school, and I had pretty big hands. That was the one benefit. It's usually the guys that have smaller hands that are the ones that are Circus. the most particular about their grip and, and making sure the you know the football feels right and the, and it's deflated or inflated enough. So I was 
I was finicky in a lot of other areas. I was difficult, Danny, and demanding in a bunch of ways. But the football wasn't as big a deal to me. Like, I, I just, yeah, whatever it is. Now, there's certain shapes. Like, the I hated, uh, gosh, it was Rawlings. It had a, a really skinny ball that they made. And so, I, I the NFL ball, man, they're, they're, and you could, you could ask 100 quarterbacks this. And I think they'll all say the same thing. What is the best ball out there? What's the best ball out there? Is it Nike? Is it Adidas? Uh-huh. Is it Wilson? What? Oh, it's the NFL ball. Like, it's not even close. That NFL ball. Yeah, it is just it gets the best leather. It has the most shape. It has the best factories. And there is not a better football on the planet to throw than the Duke. How often did the center's sweat affect oh. your grip? Oh, yeah. That's not, yeah. Not, not Brock so much. I know Brock's brother had an issue with the oh. tuchus of one of his. Yes. I, I can I share that, or will Trevor I think Highfield? So. Trevor get Highfield. Mad? Oh, he was a sweater. Whew. Yeah, Trevor Highfield. Would Damon have him change pants at halftime? At halftime, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it was a big, swampy, soupy <laughs> mess. <laughs> yes, yeah. You go to slap that button and let him know that you're there, and all of a sudden that just yeah, spray and sweat and swamp. I yeah. covered those teams as a member of the student paper at the UW and Trevor Highfield I remember writing a story about him and becoming the center and what he said was well the first time that I played center I didn't know the quarterback's hands go where well they go (laughs) yes so he was he was a little bit surprised at the intimacy of the position yes they do hey by the way uh something thrown right back at you guys a little bit looking at the Seahawks roster yeah I don't know if it's just because it's the you know the off season and and OTAs and the players finally show up. What are we mid June almost or June eight? Robert Kimdichie and Alden Kimdichie. Smith. Kimdichie yeah. and Alden Smith. Yeah, both in the nineties, both on this roster. Yeah, let's you know, go. What, what, what? The comeback begins now, Brock. <laughs> yes. Has there been any update on Alden Smith? Are we going to hear that? Has anybody asked Pete? And I know it's all been yeah. so very different this year, but. Where is that? What, what thing about Alden Smith? No, no, or Jamal, or Kimdichi, or there's some fascinating, colorful folks on this team in this at, locker room. Do you think the fact that Kimdichi fell off a, a hotel balcony is a concern or an asset? Because asset. leading up to the leading up to the Dude, draft, that was yeah. I mean, that was the one thing you'd look at is like I don't know about the decision making that led him to fall yes. off the balcony, but yeah. on the flip side of it. The fact that he he maybe is just not built to be damaged if he's able to 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 withstand and and perform after that. Was it a synthetic strain of something that he? Yeah, was that's right. Yeah, it was yeah. it was it was truck stop weed, which everybody yes. should be advised to steer well clear of. That stuff's scary as hell. Pretty fascinating group here when you look at just the athleticism, man, on that defensive line. Carlos Dunlap and Kerry Hyder, and you know we'll see where Alden Smith is. We'll see what that all shakes out. We'll see what Kim Dietschy ultimately looks like. I hope all of those guys are there at OTAs this week. All the hype, obviously, is Russell and Bobby and familiar faces. But man, there's some there's some characters there and some incredible body types and and former first round uber talented guys that uh, you know Pete just can't wait to work with. It might be similar to the day that I saw Marshawn Lynch. Braylon Edwards, Antonio Braylon. Bryant, and Kellen Winslow all standing yeah. next to each other and yeah. thinking to myself, like, yeah, this probably wouldn't have happened if 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 Tim Ruskell was still the GM here. Nope. Probably nope. wouldn't have seen this specific no, lineup no. Of, of fellas exchanging jerseys with each other. Don't think so. Don't think so. Brock, Brock we love talking to you. We'll catch up Thanks, with you Brock. on Thursday. See you, boys. That is Brock Heward.
He joins us Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays for Blue 42. You can also catch him, the Brock and Sulk podcast, which they usually record on these Tuesdays. Brock back this week after his fishing trip to Alaska. Uh, 